Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. This podcast forms part of a short series on putting people at the heart of climate action and what climate justice can mean for business. During this conversation, we are going to hear from Nepal's delegate to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change and the IDE's senior advisor, Madan Piria, and IDE's Nepal in-country director, Kori O'Hara. Together, they are going to share ways we can better support remote farmers in their last mile supplies and why this provides sound business opportunities. So Madden, Cory, welcome. I want to start our conversation today by exploring, quite frankly, Madden, your personal journey. Could you share a bit about how you've got here so far and how you have become a leader in climate change within Nepal and what this means to you? Thank you, Katie, for your question, actually. It's a very interesting one. Just to let you know, I I joined IDE in 2010 as its Program Development and Monitoring and Evaluation Director. As Program Development Director, I remained actively involved in proposal concept development to promote new businesses for IDE and IDE Nepal in particular, and in maintaining good relations rapports with government bodies, donors, and funding agencies. Again, as head of Monitoring and Evaluation Division, I was fully responsible for developing monitoring and evaluation plans, log frames, M&E strategies, and also in carrying out M&E of all projects programs implemented by IDE in Nepal. Now, later, as we got interested in climate projects, my portfolio got expanded. I also started my role as climate projects focal person, and I oversaw several climate projects, including Initiative for Climate Change Adaptation, ECA, funded by USAID from 2012 to 2017, and Anukulan Breast Project, funded by UKAID from 2015 to 2019. I completed my tenure at ID in Nepal in April 2019, and I'm glad that ID has honored me, my expertise and experiences and offered me to be the senior advisor of ID. And this, I believe, is a highly prestigious position for me. And I think it will give me opportunity to share my learning experiences with the ID team working in various countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America, and also with many other organizations and stakeholders for the benefits of the poor and climate vulnerable people in various parts of the world. Thank you so much for sharing that journey with us. And, and focusing in on that work that you have been doing with the IDE, You've been empowering entrepreneurs, I mean, particularly those within the kind of agricultural space. For those listening, could you possibly paint a bit of a picture as to what you've been doing and and why it's so important? Now, entrepreneurs, especially those who are in the business of supplying agro-inputs, technologies and appliances to smallholder farmers, are generally located in district headquarters and other big towns in Nepal and in several other countries as well. They are far from the villages 
where smallholders, farmers reside. The farmers, especially in the hills and mountains, would take several hours to reach the agro-input suppliers. As such, considering the time and energy that would be spent for buying improved inputs, farmers generally forego using improved inputs and they prefer using locally available seeds and other tools and appliances in cultivation, which in turn are responsible for low productivity, low production and resultant food insecurity and poverty. Now, in view of these constraints, ID has developed community business advisors who are entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial farmers of the, from the community. They are trained on high value crop production and are linked to the agro input suppliers. They serve as a link between the farmers and the input suppliers. They would train, demonstrate farmers on the use of improved climate smart inputs technologies, collect orders for these inputs from the farmers, provide advices to the farmers, technical advisors. They would receive inputs, materials from the agro input suppliers and also deliver the materials to the farmers at their door steps. Now these Farm business advisors, they receive some commission from suppliers for their services and the farmers receive inputs at the same price as they would receive in towns. Now, IDE so far has developed in Nepal around 580 such uh, competitive business facilitators we, we call in Nepal, uh, the farm business advisors. And uh, they have, uh, you know, almost 125 agro input suppliers they are affiliated with and they are almost uh, you know serving 100000 people farmers actually so this is an excellent and important step towards promotion of climate smart agriculture and high value crops farmers have been able to increase their income from agriculture and their livelihoods have improved tremendously this is something which id has done in nepal and in other countries as well I think that Mudan has done a great job of describing the the basics of how we'll approach communities and approach approach farmers around this entrepreneurship model. A lot of what IDE does globally is well first when you're trying to empower entrepreneurs that that means first of all you need to understand them you need to understand their environment the constraints that they're facing. As Mudan describes in a lot of environments that biggest constraint is the last mile is reaching small-scale farmers with appropriate agricultural inputs, for example. It can also be reaching them with the right kinds of services. If they live far from a town, bridging that last mile is something that the market can provide for, but no one is ever willing to take that first step. It's very hard to get the private sector to invest in what they see as a risky market for that first, that first initial investment. And just to add, add another uh, example, something that we're working on right now around agricultural machinery services, uh, this has been a bit of a white whale, as, as we call it for a long time, where getting access to affordable and scale-appropriate machinery services like tilling, plowing, uh, reaping crops has been extremely difficult. The small farmers we work with uh, generally are farming less than half a hectare of land. And so they're never going to be investing in a, in a large-scale tractor themselves. But if there's someone within their community who can provide those services, that's answering that very specific need that they have without requiring a, a, a huge amount of investment. So for us, 
getting those services to farmers at the last mile means identifying constraints like access to finance, creating an entrepreneurship model where one farmer has access to loan finance, for example, to then put in the investment, purchase the tractor, and then develop a business plan and start providing those services to other farmers in that community is really a transformational concept. Sticking with you, Corey, you mentioned earlier on about the the fact that that first initial investment is really difficult to get big businesses to, to pay for that. And I mean, our podcast is called Business Fights Poverty. And so I want to zoom in on that topic. What do you feel the role of business and particularly bigger businesses are in the work that you're doing? Oh, that's a great question. And we can interact with businesses in a lot of different ways. We're a nonprofit organization. So we really see ourselves as the one creating the links, creating the connections, showing businesses that there is profit at the base of the pyramid. Just for one example, we work with Toro, agricultural supply company uh, known, I think, mostly for machinery, but also for um, irrigation technologies. And we've had a partnership going now for about 10 years. They initially started with IDE just traveling with our team to Zambia to do some field research, trying to understand base of the pyramid markets, trying to understand where they might be able to tailor products a little bit differently to meet specific needs. This wasn't just something that they saw as corporate social responsibility. This was something they saw as really core to the work that they were doing. And when they were with our team, they saw that there was a need. They saw a need with drip irrigation. They felt that they could meet the needs of more farmers if they were manufacturing smaller and more affordable kits than what they were used to. Again, for developing country environments, you have to be thinking about those very small-scale farmers. And in that case, the power is in the numbers because there are half a billion small farmers around the world. That's an immense market if a business is willing to take that risk. And Toro took the risk. And as I said, 10 years later, we're still partners. We work together really to help to bridge some of those initial gaps. They're willing to make initial investments with us, supporting us uh, in a range of different ways. And then in the end, they see these small farmers as future customers for their, for their core business. So in the end, it becomes profitable for everyone to make that initial investment and to take that first leap. Thank you for sharing that, Corey. For those listening, I will do my best to find a good link to put into the words that sit alongside the podcast to share that example about Toro. Madan, bringing you in here, I mean, from your experience in Nepal, are you feeling that same kind of creating that connectivity is what's missing? Or is there something else around, you know, what can businesses do to better support those in some cases, very remote smallholder farmers. Yeah, I think uh, I do agree to what uh, Corey has been saying, actually. Businesses uh, play a vital role in fighting alleviating poverty. This is especially very true for the bigger businesses who are located in districts, regional and national headquarters, you know, in bigger towns. They are doing, the, they are mostly wholesalers or distributors or, you know, I have a lot of, you know, varieties, a lot of, uh, you know, tools, different type of appliances, climate smart, um, you know, tools, appliances, um, technologies with them. Now, by extending their outreach through the farm business advisors, which I had been talking earlier, actually, by extending outreach of these bigger businesses through farm business advisors to farmers' doorsteps located in distant remote areas, they are these bigger businesses. They are contributing concretely in enhancing income of farmers, in improving their living conditions, and in getting them out of the vicious cycle of poverty trap, actually. 
That's the reason why I say businesses play a vital role in fighting alleviating poverty. Thank you, Madan. And, and sticking with you, I mean, you are the Nepalese delegate to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. What does COP26 mean to you and for your work? And what are your hopes around the sort of COP process in, in a whole? I, I think, I believe, COP is an excellent platform to understand the magnitude of devastations which climate change has been bringing in our planet Earth. Now, this is a great opportunity to learn from global leaders, climate experts, communities, and various stakeholders about the necessity and the plan to combat climate change impacts. From ID's perspective, it is an excellent opportunity for us to also share our learning and experiences on climate smart agriculture and on our climate adaptation mitigation initiatives. I would like to stress here that ID in Nepal actually has just done tremendous work in locally led adaptation. Now we have examples of commercial pocket approach, which we call as resilient market ecosystem approaches, multiple use water systems, integrated pest management techniques, and micro-irrigation technologies and range of such technologies and practices uh, we have promoted in Nepal, which, uh, which are really exemplary and which can be of great use to the global community, actually. So I think it gives us an excellent opportunity to share our learning experiences for the benefit of the global communities. And I hope the COPE process constantly will keep warning all stakeholders and the world leaders that the climate change is threatening the existence of humanity and immediate attention and action, actions are needed to reduce temperature rise and the consequences which we are facing at the moment and which is very much likely in near future. That is my assumption and that is how I think, uh, I hope that the core process will go through this process finding out solutions and helping the poor and marginalized people who have suffered the most from climate change adversities. So take heed, everybody listening. Um, thank you very much, Madan, for sharing that. And it's really interesting. I'm sure that you guys have been for so long kind of working at that interface of, of seeing the impacts of climate change and creating those adaptations and sort of mitigation support pieces for the smallholder farmers. But from my very spoilt position, it's quite interesting as the kind of the idea of tackling climate change isn't just about a carbon conversation. It's really around a much more three-dimensional systems approach. And, and to hear that coming through so clearly is, is really useful. Madan, now, when you first answered your first question today during our conversation, you were very, very humble in terms of your own personal journey, because I happen to know that you've really sort of worked on research ranging from adaptation poverty alleviation to good governance and IT sector development and industrial development for governments and non-governmental organizations, private industry and academia, the list goes on. So Madan, with so much variety in your career and your journey, what's your strategy? What's the red thread that runs through it? And therefore, what would be your advice to others perhaps who are listening to this podcast and our conversation that you would, you would like to share with them? Thank you, Katie, for this question, actually. You know, when I look back to what I have done during the past 40 years and what I achieved or contributed, I really feel very proud of myself. I have worked in multiple sectors with various agencies, 
both public and private. I have worked with the grassroots level people and communities and helped them with my knowledge, experience, expertise, and commitments. With this multifaceted experiences and exposures, my strategy is to continue helping the poor, marginalized, and climate vulnerable people in Nepal, and also share these learning experiences with people living in similar conditions in other parts of the world. And the red thread that runs through this strategy is welfare of the voiceless, excluded and marginal, marginalized people and communities. My personal mission is, if I say, it is to contribute to the well-being of all human beings on this planet. <laughs> this is the humble mission that I have in my mind, in my heart, well, that's uh, maybe a humble mission, but it's massive. And just thank you for for sharing it. And and for those who are listening, what would be your advice to them? If if you were starting out on your career again, what would you like to have heard that would have helped you progress? My advice in a single sentence or single line, if it could be, if I can frame it, I'll say that my advice to all concerned stakeholders would be save humanity and the planet Earth from climate devastations through concrete actions. This is what my advice is. Wow. Save humanity and the planet Earth from complete climate devastation through concrete actions. We need to have actions now. We have talked quite much. We have spoken, we have deliberated quite a lot, but the time has come as the UN Secretary General last year was saying that the Climate Action Summit. So that is really needed. We need climate action, actually. Climate, you know, action for combating the adversities of climate impacts, actually, climate change. Well, on those powerful words, I'm going to conclude our conversation today. Madan Corey, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, wisdom, and your time with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Katie. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 